Thanks again to listener Victoria Villarreal. She told me her favorite episode so far was about the nonprofit push for girls in engineering from back in December 2016. So go check out Victoria's recommendation. She pledged to the show at the engineer level at patreon.com slash Labs. And if you pledge too today, you can hear me do an original rap about engineering, freshly produced during South by Southwest. More on that later. Now, on to the show. It's March 20th, 2017, and this is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. South by Southwest has finished up here in Austin, Texas. You know, that big international conference and festival full of creative people and groups that want to talk and show off all their work. Well, it opened with four days of South by Southwest EDU, the education portion of the event. And I was there to find out what this industry is thinking, doing, and feeling these days related to engineering education. I'm Pius Wong. I'm an engineer who now works in educational technology, and one reason I came to South by Southwest this year was to learn as much as possible about what's new in the field. And I am recording in the South by Southwest EDU playground Wednesday afternoon, and there is a presentation going on with a guy holding twine and nails, and they're doing some kind of big old hands-on project. This conference is big. Too much to cover in one episode. So this first episode on South by Southwest is focused on new technology products and programs for engineering education. There will be another episode on equity and politics in education, which was an enormous, unignorable theme this year, which might get pretty dicey when I produce it. So thanks for giving me more time to prepare that one. First, we'll cover the shiny new toys at South by Southwest. So I just stopped by a booth here, and I just w- was wondering, could you briefly say uh, who you're here with and what you're representing? Sure. So I work for WE, which is... Computer science, or CS, of course was a big deal at South By this year. One group that offered something new in that space was WE, spelled W-E. It's a Toronto-based charity and social enterprise that's worked with the College Board to integrate the Advanced Placement Computer Science A curriculum with service learning. Yeah, so it's definitely for students. So these are the courses that teachers would normally be teaching. We've added in um, these service teaching modules that are new as of last year, uh, written by AP teachers themselves, very well integrated into the existing content that that teachers would normally be teaching. So it's not really any additional work. Um, It just adds that service component that really enriches the course for students and gives them that kind of leg up when applying to universities and and applying for jobs. That sounds really interesting to me. I'm an engineer, I'm pro coding and all that stuff, but I've never heard of service learning in AP Computer Science A. So if I wanted to know more about it, how would I find out like what that actually looks like? Yeah, so um, so if you go onto the College Board website, so that would just be www.collegeboard.org slash APWE. We yeah. have descriptions of all of the courses and how service is kind of integrated into each one. So for example, with computer science, we're, we're hearing a lot from our pilot teachers in that course about um, certain projects like a lot of app design for um, for use in certain social issues. So for example, okay. we've heard of one student who wanted to design an app to support um, students with anxiety problems. So, you know, you could you could plug into your app and it would explain how to help them in when they're having a panic attack or something like that. Sure. Um, 
So a lot of it is very directly related to the coding and app design kind of side of it. Um, but yeah, we've heard some really interesting ideas so far. Cool. So they can go to that website and look up the sample curriculum and see if it's right for them. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. No your, what's your name? Your first name? Alexandra. Thank you, Alexandra. Appreciate it. A lot of South by attendees were keen on this pattern of integrating CS with other fields. Sharice Taylor of the CS for All campaign of the New York City Department of Ed explained how they're training non-CS teachers in different levels of CS so they can bring it to a greater number and greater diversity of students. She gave an example showing a video of one school mixing music and web design. The tournament we play is called Jinbang, which means unity, and it's about community, unity, working together. You might recognize that those kids were practicing learning HTML scripts with drumming and chanting. We have a drumming program at our school because many of our students come from West Africa and from the Caribbean and this is a part of their histories. We feel like there's resonance there for them. In the next year or so, New York City teachers will be mixing in computer science concepts in different subjects at all levels. Keep an eye out for how it turns out. Along these CS themes, many businesses showed off coding products and services, including the Japanese company Glyco in the main exhibit hall. You might know Glyco as the makers of Pocky, those thin and sweet biscuit-like sticks half covered in chocolate or some other frosting. Glyco made an app called Glycode so that if you arrange your Pocky sticks on your table in certain ways, you can then snap a picture of the treats and translate the arrangement into code. That code then moves cutesy characters in their app. It's a funny mix of brand marketing and edutainment, if you can check it out. In the quieter upper floors of the convention center, another booth displayed a comparable product that teaches code to kids. Sure. My name is Jacob Hanshar. I'm the CEO and one of the largest investors in Digital Dream Labs. I'm uh -huh. presenting puzzlets, uh, showing everyone at South by Southwest our first game, which is Cork the Volcano teaches coding K-2. There was a tray on the table, and a bunch of tiles with images on them lay neatly along the tray. Is this what I'm looking at? Uh, is this right here what it is? Or? Right, and we call that the play tray, and the play tray syncs via Bluetooth to an iPad or any other connected device, Samsung, etc. Uh -huh. And what you're seeing here is Cork the Volcano, which is our coding game. We have a math game and art game that have come out, but here you see each in sequence uh, to move the character through the maze in order to get the puzzle piece, and that's the objective. It teaches kids uh, logic and sequencing skills. Oh, I, I see. So if someone was familiar with block coding, for example, these little tiles that I see in front of me are like the coding blocks. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so you can think of, okay, we'll put all the blocks together. And this feeds into a lot of programs. Uh, for exa example, uh, dot or dash, thinking about the robotics. And you, you go far enough with these blocks, you can start looping, you put modifiers, you know, this is a negator, for example. So it's really teaching. Kids so the kids would lay out their literal code blocks or those plastic tiles, and the tray would detect what they physically coded and would use it to manipulate characters in an app. You can't eat your code in this case, though. 
At South by Southwest, there was some interest in using games for education, both in and out of computer science. In at least one meeting of educational game developers, there was even a call to try to make games more political, or to have game players reflect on moral and socio-political conflict. That's heady stuff. So if you teach CS today by making your kids develop games, realize this trend could be rising in the industry. And maybe this will offer you a chance to integrate CS with your social science and humanities courses. On the non-political gaming side of things, I played around with Kahoot, a system that's meant for teachers to build quiz show style games for their classrooms. You'd go, so say you're the teacher or whoever's hosting the game, they play it on the big screen. I'm the student or player. I'd go to Kahoot.it. All I need is an internet connection and a device. Enter the game pin. The Kahoot team demoed the system for me as if I were in a geography class. And all we're going to do is answer the questions as they come up on the screen. But the whole point is that you can see the questions and answers on the big screen, but on the individual devices you see the corresponding tiles, these ones that are here. I see, and they choose their Exactly, and the meaning behind that, it's been designed in that way so that you're not looking down, you're looking up. Oh, okay. So if I you see. watch students and people playing Kahoot, they're always engaged and looking up and around them because they're not playing on their own devices individually. Yeah. It's a social experience. Cool. The bright colors and sounds in this quizzing game reminded me of the You Don't Know Jack video game series, and it could capture short attention spans in the classroom. They don't have pre-made questions for STEM education yet, but teachers could still make their own questions in cahoots if they want. Related to CS, there was also plenty of robotics. A winner of the student startup competition at South by Southwest EDU last year was 16-year-old Rohit Srinivasan, and he created a STEM education kit called TrashBots. Just like how it sounds, kids can use the kit to make lower-cost robots out of cheap everyday stuff, or out of trash. So, uh, your name is uh, Pius, right? So, if we wanted to, we could write... We could write... Give me a second to connect with it. Rohit showed me how to program the robot with his own original block programming platform. And then we click play. Oh, and then a P appears on the board of our robot. So you can, like, through that, you can teach kids the idea of programming and so on. Um, at the same time, you know, like, one of my favorite things to do is see this. I'm holding a, a, a plastic bottle that I drank earlier today. You can attach it onto our robot, and you can make it, like, now it becomes, like, a maraca or, like, like... You know, like back and forth, you know, you can, you can do things like that using found materials and disperse kids' creativity and allows kids to understand the world around them. Down the exhibit hall, a less kinetic robot was sitting there with rows of little green plants inside its clear-walled chamber. We have created the Polybot, which is a hydroponic plant-growing machine for the classroom. So we're growing plants in water instead of soil, and we pair that with a hands-on science curriculum for students in grades K through 8th grade. K through 8, awesome. And 
I am looking at something right now. Could you describe <laughs> it for people who can't see it? Sure, so the Polybot is like this big acrylic box. Um, and what it does is it controls your own little environment. So you can set the temperature, you can set the lights, um, and that allows you to create so many different worlds inside this, this little box here. So you could uh, simulate the climate of the Andes Mountains and grow quinoa in here, or you could simulate you know, the desert and grow some cacti. So it's a, it's a really cool way to bring nature into the classroom and engage students in a really hands-on immersive experience. Awesome and I see that Arduino in the back I guess students program that. So it, it is capable of being programmed the one that we put in classrooms uh, right now has been already programmed for kids uh, but we've had kids who in classrooms who have hacked it to you know kind of mess with the lights put a webcam in here for live updates so we definitely encourage that and we're looking for a next version to find a more hackable more engineering hands-on way to interact with the bot. So if you need a plant environmental simulator in your classroom, whose Arduino you could possibly hack, here's an option. Finally, at the main South by Southwest festival along the bars of 5th Street, there was the curry robot. That's K-U-R-I, not the curry you eat. Hey curry, do you want to play? California-based Mayfield Robotics has been showing off their flagship security camera robot over the internet for a while now, and its two-foot-tall alpha prototypes were roaming around the wooden floors of this downtown Austin event space, being cute, and hopefully reassuring everyone that they wouldn't freak out their pets and children. Unfortunately, a curry engineer there told me that, as of now, there's no hackable education kit in the works for the impressive robot. But who knows, maybe educators could pressure them into making it hackable in the future, like the Roomba from iRobot. For more hands-on products, I visited the South by Southwest Playground, where one makerspace director set the mood there. Uh, my name is Cédric Blemelin. I'm from France, actually. Uh, but now I live in Odessa, Texas, and uh, we just opened six weeks ago the uh, Permanent Basin Fab Lab. What do you guys do over there? Well, um, a Fab Lab is all about making, so this place is all about allowing and empowering people to make things. And the motto is, we can make almost anything, so the question is, should be, what are you not making? In front of him was a digital piano with touch-sensitive real bananas as the keys. What are you not making? Really was a good question here. They believed in making for making's sake, which might fall in line more with tinkering and fun rather than engineering, but Cedric argues that this enhances education and engineering education too. If teachers are looking for projects more geared toward mechanical engineering, they could check out the booth around the corner. Uh, my name is Bo Trafiro. Um I started Open Source Skateboards, and uh, Open Source Skateboards is basically uh, a way we bring skateboard building into the classroom and combine that with engineering, applied mathematics, technology, and art. And so, Bo, I see you've got a lot of example things here. What am I yeah. looking at for people who can't yeah, see? Yeah, so, so we've got a couple different things here. Uh, on my right, your left, we have this uh, vacuum bag, which shows basically the process that we use for students to make their own custom boards. Um, this is like our, our main program. This is typically run as a summer or an after-school program, and students are literally building their boards from start to finish from scratch. So they're designing, 
They're creating a CAD model. They are making the foam mold themselves. They are laminating the board. They're cutting it out and they're finishing it with their own custom artwork. Uh, on your right side here, we have uh, a computer which shows on our website, this is a free open source program. It's a skateboard 3D modeling program. Uh, you can go on and just... Bo explained uh, that he's a mechanical engineer and skateboarder himself. So based on his interests, he started selling kits and providing curriculum. And this basically has everything that an instructor would need to run a program. And it's actually not that complicated. It's really a student-run project. I mean, it's about the students doing stuff themselves. But we have just provide, you know, the lesson plans, time estimates, as well as reference materials like guides, uh, checklists, and video tutorials Very online. Cool. The Paniform booth was exhibiting a tool for anyone getting introduced to creating worlds for virtual reality or VR. Uh, my name is Payod Panda and I'm from the Paniform team at North Carolina State University College of Design. We are really excited about getting people to create for VR rather than just be consumers of VR. But the state of things in VR right now is such that the barrier of entry to get into creating for VR is really high. You might need to learn a programming language or you might need to learn a fancy tool, some fancy 3D modeling tool, but kids might not be willing to do that or they might not have the resources to do that. So what we are building at Panoform is, is essentially a tool that can take a sketch that anybody can create. We are providing all the resources for people to help make those sketches and you just upload that sketch to our website and it'll wrap it around you so kids can go from viewing sketches in front of them to being inside their sketches. So Payod demoed the technology for me. And when I put on the VR headset, I could see inside a crayon world sketched by someone else. I was surrounded by a green alligator. You just need our grids, which are free on our website. You need our tool, which is free to use. But you need a cardboard viewer, which is around 15 to $20. There are some for $5. So it's a really, really low-cost uh, entry into the world of creating for VR rather than just viewing VR movies or playing VR games. Kids can create their own VR environment. As you might guess, a lot of complex geometry and math is folded into this VR tool. And I could see applications to the university level down to elementary. However... No curriculum seems to be available with Paniform yet, and educators who don't have time to play with this too much themselves may have to sit tight for more guidance on how to use this to teach. South By had plenty of programs, products, and ideas relevant to STEM education in general. One of the more memorable ideas came from Tom McFadden, science teacher and star of the YouTube channel Science with Tom. That's Tom opening his workshop with a rap. He talked about how he uses hip-hop to get kids thinking about science, and he led participants into writing their own science-themed raps so that they might know how to do that with their students. It was a process of summary and reflection about a scientific topic, and then systematically distilling it into keywords, rhymes, and lyrics. 
talk about integrating art and science. And yes, I even wrote my own very first rap lyrics, which just so happened to be about the structures and functions of bridges. Later that night, some colleagues at the bar pressured me to perform. All right, whatever. I'm just going to go with it. These bridge loads heavy, holding hundred Chevys, doing it with doing it with concrete and metal geometry. Strong use for strong enough for cyclic loads to five fifty years to stay up to code. Yes. No. Peer peer pressure. Sadly, the full rap isn't here. If you want to hear the full version, you can find it on this podcast's Patreon site if you donate, www.patreon.com slash labs. Let me tell you, you've got to try writing and performing a nerd rap at least once if you haven't. It's kind of awesome. One startup at South by Southwest saw a need for tools to streamline project-based learning in the classroom, which is very relevant for STEM these days. Yeah, my name is Winesh Kanan, and our company is called Omnipointment. We help students and teachers have better group projects. So we've built a, a web platform that helps students with finding time to work together and giving their teammates constructive feedback, which are two of the biggest problems we've seen kill student teams. And uh, we also provide metrics to professors so that they can intervene in teams that are struggling before it's too late. Are you looking to expand to K-12 level or other groups? Yeah, super interested in K-12. One thing for our team that really interests us is when students' perceptions about teamwork form. Because a lot of college students default to a greedy strategy of let's split up all of the component tasks Everyone work on your own and fuse it the night before the presentation, which over and over and over again, anecdotally, I see producing really bad outcomes. Um, The students don't seem to learn anything about communication or teamwork. Uh, And we're really interested in the high school level because I think K through 12, if those students work in genuine group projects where you're doing real collaborative activities like brainstorming together, critiquing each other's idea, co-teaching, co-learning, we would have much better team outcomes at the college and even professional level. Vinesh's product, Omnipointment, has mostly been used in colleges so far, but it'll be interesting to see if tools like this could help in K-12 STEM projects, if students have to work more independently and are giving constant peer reviews of each other. In the South by Southwest EDU exhibit hall, there was Project Paradigm, a national project-based STEM competition for youth. Um, My name is Blessing Rowland. I'm a student ambassador for Project Paradigm, and we're a private foundation. Um, We're a nonprofit, and we give up to $250,000 to students and teachers every year. And this promotes project-based learning in the classroom, you know, innovating, thinking, you know, coming up with ideas, especially for this year's challenge, which is to find ways to reduce waste. They can come up with, like, inventions. They can, for engineering teachers, you know, web tech. They can make websites. They can make, like, flyers and posters and stuff. They can do scientific research for, you know, them science classes. They can do community service projects, which can, like, you know, have the community service. And um, what they have to do is they submit their ideas on our website. And we also have lesson plans for the teachers to use to show the kids. And we also have videos that are led by teen inventors 
who have invented before. And so the kids know that, oh, there are people who have done it before. There's a way to win. There's a way to, you know, actually do it. And then the top 100 teams win cash prizes. This year, the Project Paradigm Challenge theme is waste reduction, and the deadline for entries is May 1st. STEM summer camps and after-school programs were also very abundant at South By. The rep for Explo talked about their programs for STEM education while I was cutting up some cardboard for an activity they were doing. Oh my god, teachers, we love you so much! No, real talk, real talk, real talk. Mostly we love the students, but I guess we love you too. Real talk, real talk. Explo is an educational non-profit. It's been around for over 40 years, founded on the basis of MIT's IAP, or Independent Activities Program, wherein you just explore. You explore things outside of your major, and you get to learn things just by just learning through exploration. So for 40 years, we've been developing these summer programs where kids from all over the world come, second graders through 12th graders come, learn through exploration. And it's a beautiful program. It legitimately changes people's lives. Like, alums come up to our booths and alums are in beautiful places in the world. And people over the years keep asking us, can you please start your own school? Can you please start your own high school, middle school, elementary school, so I can send my kids there? And we're saying, we'd love to, but instead, here's what we're going to do. We just started Explo Studio. And Explo Studio is an opportunity for... Oops, careful. Explo Studio has the job of making or facilitating learning through exploration throughout the entire year. So not just summer programs, but now the entire, when the kids are in the classroom for the rest of the 10 months, right? For the other 10 months. On the mentorship side of things, there were programs that link up girls with women leaders in engineering and other STEM disciplines. No Barriers USA takes an interesting angle by connecting STEM to the idea of international travel and exchange. So we bring a group of girls in the Denver corridor area to CSU, which is Colorado State University, for a day of STEM engineering, working with engineers, particularly women engineers, to talk about innovation around people with disabilities or solving global issues in the world spend a whole day doing that and then we take them to Lake Tahoe, California in June for a four-day summit where they get to present their ideas and share with other girls from around the world. Oh wow. And are they like they're they're being creative and they're designing things at this? Yep, they design things for our innovation village, which is a place where girls get to kind of come together, think about a global issue, solve for the problem, and then create an experience or a product or a service that actually tries to solve for that. Then Chick Tech has a more sustained mentorship program in cities across the country. I spoke with a rep for the Austin branch. Chick Tech is, uh, Austin is part of a national organization that's focused on uh, training and keeping women in technology. And we sponsor a year-long high school program. We take a class of 100 girls, have a two-day kickoff workshop in November, exposing them to different technology concepts, the types of jobs in technology, and then once a month from then to the end of school, there's a one-day workshop with a different technology company in Austin, such as IBM, HomeAway, CDK, where they get to look inside that company, see what they do, see the types of jobs available, and learn something about the technology that company produces. Very cool. And if someone wants to know more about how they, a teacher wants to know how to get involved, how would they do that? You could go to chicktech.com. 
chicktechatx.org, chicktechatx.org would get you to the Austin site. And then chicktech.org will get you to the overall national uh, organization. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Those were my picks for interesting new and not-so-new products and services for engineering education here at South by Southwest. If you couldn't make it here, I hope this helped get you up to speed. Listen next time as we go deeper into the simmering and seething mood of this conference and festival as many attendees vocalized how education, including STEM education, is the civil rights issue of our time. Links to the resources mentioned in this episode are in the show notes and at the podcast website, k12engineering.net. Episode transcripts are also there. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, share it with your friends, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Our closing music is from Late for School by Bleeptor under a Creative Commons Attribution License. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of Pios Labs, and you can support Pios Labs at patreon.com slash pioslabs.